All right. As many of you know, I got a lottery spot to the legendary bank slalom at Mount Baker this year. It's the 34th time they've held this competition in 36 years since the first one in 1985. It's the biggest thing in competitive snowboarding, and it's a great community event. I was really honored to be able to go. First thing I did when I learned that I'd won the spot was call Mark Fawcett for some like straight-up coaching advice because he's a professional coach and former world champion racer. And he told me to do Pilates and some ropes and kettlebell training, you know, like core strength training. He said, ride a lot. Make sure you search out banks that look like banks, slalom banks, and just like practice going fast through those. And I did most of that stuff. I didn't do any strength training. Uh, I trained like November, December, January. And about the midway through January, I realized, oh man, I am not going to be strength training. And I I think I lamented to Dano that I was not doing it. And he said, oh dude, just do squats. So I started doing body squats and that made me feel like I wasn't letting myself down so much with the training. I did stretch every day. That was something that Mark told me to do. So I started stretching early on and I'm proud to say I stretched every day once we got into January I doubled up my stretching routine now it wasn't much stretching it was like five minutes a day for November December and then it was just into 10 minutes a day for January but it definitely I'm still doing it it feels really good I'm still stretching so that's something super rad so next, I reached out to Tony LaFroy, the Swix and Toco wax rep, and oh my God, did he set me up. I got a care package with all different temperatures and different types of fluorinated waxes, and I started layering base layers and edge wax and just getting my boards ready for this race. I, I hadn't decided on what board to race right up until the weekend of the race, really, well, maybe a week before I figured it out because I was training, riding every night after work and every day on the weekend. And I landed on my 161 directive, the one with the Valley graphic that I did this year with my binding set all the way back into the tail. And I, it just felt fast to me. So I just kept riding it and my angles on my bindings were dialed in about 22 inches apart, you know, plus 24, plus 9 on the back. It just felt racy to me. And so I had that board dialed in for race day. I left it in the snow base down, not having scraped my race wax off it, as Tony had taught me. And there's a few other little secrets, definitely using that brass brush on there right before I go to get that texture. I think all those things helped me for sure. And another thing I did for prep was download two songs, Devo's Gut Feeling and Leonard Skinner's Freebird. Both songs make me feel fast when I'm listening to them. And so when I was riding the last couple of weeks up to the event, I would just ride as fast as I could when I was listening to those songs. And it was kind of like a Zoolander effect, you know, like, kill the president of Malaysia. Like, I just got in that fast mindset as soon as I heard those songs. And in the start gate, I would play them 
and it just took the nerves to zero. I really can't tell you, like the preparation for this race took away all that crazy nervousness that I would have felt in the in the start game. I probably should have felt it because it would have put me a little bit more on edge. I was, I was pretty relaxed when I was taking my runs. But even that being said, I couldn't sleep the night before. So I, I think I went to bed after midnight and I woke up in a sweat at like 3.30. And I just like, the car was already packed. Everything was ready to go. I just hopped in the car at like four o'clock in the morning and started driving down. It was completely dark. I crossed at Sumas down in Abbotsford and got on that familiar road. It was raining like crazy. It was super dark. I wasn't tired, but I was sort of like exhausted, but I was like anxious to get there. And so, you know what? When I think about it, I got into their parking lot closer to 7.30, I think, because registration started at 8.15. So I went in the lodge, meandered around for a little bit, and then went upstairs and got in the lineup to get my bib <laughs> I was number 236 I was stoked I saw Mark Fawcett and I was like hey Mark and I just like kind of clung to him like dude what do I do now and he's like oh it's just relax have a good time the side slips coming up and uh yeah I got ready got my lift ticket went up and side slipped the course which is daunting so you're sitting in this lineup of all the racers everybody's just going down one at a time I thought side slipping meant side slipping but it doesn't it means running the course at about uh, they were saying at 25 percent you know don't link turns just like run it slow and then by the time I got up there they're saying okay you can run it at 50 percent which I, I don't know how to go 50 percent without turning sideways so I wasn't turning sideways I kind of was. I was trying to really not like fuck up the corners, obviously. That was my main concern. But the guy behind me went past me. I really did like get bumped around on the course and, and struggled. And, and when I came through the finish line, the the guy who had passed me, his friend was like, there was a dude on there really struggling, hey? And I really, my heart sank. Because I was like, maybe I can't do this. You know what I mean? Maybe... I'm definitely in the wrong category because that guy passed me in side slipping. That's crazy. But weren't we supposed to be going slow? I don't know. So that really fucked with my head, actually. And I saw Mark at the bottom. I was like, wow, course is crazy. He's like, yeah. And I was like, I'm going to the car and I'm having a nap. I had a bed set up in the back of my Subaru. And I just like closed my eyes for two hours. I didn't get any sleep. But when I opened my eyes and got out and stretched and started to get ready for my first run, I actually felt a lot better because I had reminded myself like, dude, you've been training for this. You know how to snowboard. You were struggling because you were like side slipping and you won't struggle when you <laughs> I'm hearing myself say those words. I was like pretty scared I was going to struggle actually. But I remembered the baked salmon up at Mount Seymour. And the grouse bank slalom, which was a lot of fun too. And it's just fun. You just go fast and you hang on and you have fun. And I was like determined to put down a time on the course. And I got up there and I put on my music 
and I was excited and there was a delay. I think somebody had crashed in front of me or they're doing course maintenance or something, but there was like a long delay while I was in the star check and I was comfortable. I was stoked, you know, a little bit of dancing to the music and just getting ready, racer ready, three, two, one, go. And then I was on the course and you're just going down, holding on. And the first couple of turns, I was like, oh my God, I fucking got this, you know? And I stood it up the whole way down. I went as fast as I could. I didn't struggle as much for sure. I was a bit scared and I felt that I was a bit timid in the second half. And I got a 112, right? Which I didn't know what that was. I really did feel at that point like there would be all everybody else's times and then a huge gap and then me. And and then I would have to admit I'm in the wrong category. But as the times went up, I noticed that Sheen Campos had a terrible time compared to mine. He had a crash and I feel bad for him, but I feel great for me. I was like... Holy shit, I'm not last. That's good. And actually, I was up the field a little bit. There there were three or four people behind me on the on the first qualifying day. And I was like, wow, I'm in the right category. Okay. And then I met up with Mike Costigan. And I was like, Mike, how was your run? And he's the Jones rep up here too. And he he was like, mm, you know what? I, I didn't feel like I went fast enough. I was kind of being timid. And I was like, yeah, me too. And what was your time? And I think our times were similar. And Mike's a bit faster than me for sure. And uh, I felt proud of myself. I was like, yeah, this is great. And we both agreed, okay, tomorrow, like we went like 77% today. We got to go 110 tomorrow. And I left Baker feeling really, really good about being in the bank slalom. And I was pretty convinced there was a chance I could make it to finals the next day. So I drove home for the best sleep I've had in my life. I just, I got home. I was exhausted. I was no no longer nervous. I'd run the course. I'd put down a time. So everything from here on in was gravy. Seven hours of just uninterrupted, wonderful sleep in my own bed And then I got up and it was a bit of a struggle in the morning. I was pretty tired and sore and I didn't get on the road till 630, which meant I didn't get to the parking lot until after nine, a little after nine, because what the road was just like people was insane. And uh, right away I get on the hill. It had snowed a foot overnight and it was starting to clear and I saw my friend from Lake Tahoe, Nate Holland. And I'm like, you got your bag? He's like, yep. And I'm like, let's go for a pow lap. And we went out on the elbow. And when people access the side country at Baker and anywhere, actually, you guys probably have noticed this. A lot of times they'll do a long traverse to get to the, you know, untracked pow. But the first guys kind of went down the middle so that leaves all this untracked pal between this long traverse and like you could just drop in. And that's what we did is we dropped in completely untracked, you know, boot to knee deep blower pal at Baker. It's nice and steep in there. It was super fun. The smile on Nate's face when we regrouped at the corner, I was just like, this is the best, man. I'm riding with 
you know, eight-time X Games gold champ, Nate Holland, in powder at the Baker Bank Slalom. It was fucking awesome. And just when I thought it couldn't get any better, I saw past guest Jamie Lynn, and then I saw Brad Hepner and a couple of his friends, Phil and a guy named Dave, and they were like, hey, we're going for a lap. You want to come for a lap? And I'm like, yeah, of course. And I just was like, hey, Jamie, you want to come for a lap with us? He was like, yeah, sure. And so I run back to Brad and say, hey, is it cool if my friend Jamie comes with us? And he's like, what? And it was perfect. We took a freestyle lap with Jamie Lynn at Mount Baker. He showed us to jump through the trees, which just watching Jamie ride Baker and having fun and noodling around and he hit that jump fucking fast, dude. It is all time to see Jamie Lynn following Jamie Lynn off a fucking jump for real. That was great. So then Jamie went back down to the lodge and uh, we just fanned out and we're like, can you believe that happened? Oh my God. For a few minutes, that stoke was high. And and then I'm back up at the course and I see Terrier and I'm like, hey buddy. And we had a nice conversation. And then he sees that Jamie Lynn is there and he's like, whoa. And he goes over with Jamie and I just was privy to this crazy, rad exchange between these two guys. Terrier notices that Jamie's wearing Oakley goggles and that his goggles are fogged up because they've been on his head for, I don't know, half an hour or something while he's tuning his board. Terrier's like, you're not riding dragons, man? And, you know, if you want to know the story, there is a story there. I don't want to put it out in the public, but it's... It was crazy to hear firsthand. And Terrier's off Oakley, so he was talking about that and how he feels about that. And uh, he's like, Jamie, if you want a bunch of Oakleys, I've got a, <laughs> I've got a ton of them, and they're yours, dude. And Jamie's like, oh, thanks, dude. What a f- cool exchange that was to witness. It was incredible, actually. These guys are dope. So I started to get cold up there, and so I went to warm up by the fire. Somebody came around with a tray of bacon, so that was good. Hadn't eaten bacon in a while. And it was time for me to line up for my... I actually got to the start gate, and I was like four out or three out or something, which is like I I didn't have time to even think about it or be nervous. I didn't even put in my headphones for my music. I had forgotten to bring them up. But that didn't even bother me. I was just ready to rock. And I definitely was throwing a faster time up top and turn seven. I got spit out coming into it like out of control. And I went off the course into the pow and made a split second redirect. I got a pow turn in the middle of my second run. And I knew I was still faster even with that huge mistake. So I wound up with a 110, which for me, epic. I was stoked. To put it in perspective, (laughs) I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have placed in junior girls. So yeah, the guy who won Seth Westcott, spoiler alert, put down a one minute flat. He was 10 seconds ahead of me though. Last year at the bank slalom, the pro men were 10 seconds ahead of all the pro men masters. So I feel like that was in there, man. 
I was only 10 seconds off the winning time. 10 long seconds. Unfreaking believable. The biggest thrill for me of the entire weekend was being at the bottom of the course, winded. My legs are pistoled. I'm just stoked. And that group of Pro Men's Masters is just gathering at the bottom. How'd you do? You know, like genuinely stoked for each other. It was like a really cool group of people to be competing with. And everybody was really supportive. And everybody was really competitive. It was so sick to be inside the course for the first time. At the bottom, oh, hey, let's go look at our times. You know, with Rube and Akasha and Nate and Mark Fawcett and Pontus and just everybody. That was my favorite part for sure. All right. Before I leave the race course in the story, I'm going to try and remember what it was like and just tell you. So you're in the start gate. There's like a kind of flat in front of you. It's not, you're not dropping in some steep thing. It's pretty flat into a turn. And then you come out of that turn into a more aggressive turn. And now it's starting to build downhill momentum. And then you come into just a crappy corner that you've got to figure out. Are you going to take a high line? Are you going to take, are you going to cut it without hitting the bank? I mean, you're at the bank slum. You have to hit the bank. And all the best guys hit that bank just with so much confidence. Even though it's a big chundery, chunks missing, crazy vertical bank. It's nuts. You come out of that and there's another crazy turn, which took out a lot of people actually. And now you're going downhill fast into the next turn there's a few turns in there that i i can't really remember straight on but there's one about three or four down called the waterfall it's kind of like a you know a bank and then it really drops off and then that went into this really flat turn that they changed that's where i did my pow turn was i came out of the waterfall out of control then did my pow turn and then there's a couple more like legitimate banks. And then you really start, you're in the bottom of the half pipe section. You really start doing these really fast kind of rolly banks that are technically banks, but not like up top. And then it flattens out actually at the bottom and it's almost an uphill. It is an uphill on the way to the finish line. It was a pretty short course. But it was really, really fun. I remember years ago, the day after the bank slalom, being at Baker and trying to ride it and being like, I don't think I could do this. So, <laughs> you know, all the training, the stretching and the riding gave me the confidence to come through that thing twice, you know, stood up <laughs> so close to wiping out. That's one thing that Mark Fawcett told me was that if you're not on the edge of out of control, you're just not going fast enough. And I was on the edge of out of control for a good amount. Not at the bottom, though. That's where I could have made it up, for sure. Anyways, as I said, I didn't qualify, but that wasn't the end of the world. I had run the race twice. I'd put times on the clock. I'd improved on my time from the day before. I was stoked, and it was just time to go free ride. So 
I take a few laps and then I wind up down at the salmon barbecue, which I cannot explain to you how good this salmon is. It's unfreaking believable. So the racers are there eating fish and Jamie comes through in a horse hair full on trench coat. Unbelievable. He's telling me he's got this spot in Coeur d'Alene in Idaho that he goes in and he looks at all these cool old antiques like frontier era vests and ranger hats and boxcar art like carvings done by like the guys who rode the trains back in the day so cool his outfit he looks like count dracula or something it's insane check my instagram you can see that and then i wind up talking with ben billock i remember that on the way up to the barbecue i cut a side hit And I'm excited because Ben is like side hit master. He's always carving side hits up at Seymour. And I get to tell him like, hey, man, like there's this one last hit of the day, you know. And uh, on the way out of there, we hit it. He hit it perfect. Was like an air to a pow puff on a tree branch to a perfect powder landing. And then my car is right there. So I put my stuff away and walk with Ben to his camper. He stayed up there for the weekend. Down the aisle from uh, Rube and Akasha, who are in my group. Rube put down second fastest time of the race, maybe, of the di- of, of our category for sure. Wes Makepeace came by and told some great stories about going on stage and being nervous. And, uh, oh, man, it was just so fun to be hanging with everybody in the parking lot. I think I keep saying it was just so fun. And... So again, the next morning, I find myself on the road at like 6 a.m., which was good. Less traffic this time. Got there in time, took a few laps, and then watched the finals. It was so rad to turn into a sports fan where I was like, oh, wow, like that guy seemed fast or she seemed like she was going super fast. And, And at the sidelines, Kyle came up to me with his daughter, Zaya. And they're from Mammoth Lakes, and he just was like, bro, I love your show. We were listening to it on the long drive up here, and thanks for what you do. There were a number of people that mentioned the podcast, but none were as enthusiastic and as cool as as Kyle about it. I just, it really warmed my heart to hear him, you know, talking about how certain guests like Sluggo, something Sluggo said really helped him out, you know? I'm like, that's dope. I fucking love that. So we watched a bunch of the men's pro finals. I just watched everything. And in the middle of all that happening, there's a guy in a leather jacket that I recognize. It's Keith Wallace. And if there was anyone who was the celebrity pro at this event this time, Keith Wallace had not been to the Baker Bank Slalom in 15 years. And he showed up, total rock star, Burton leather jacket, Everybody was so stoked to see him. It was really, really cool. I talked to him for a long time, talked to him about Coeur d'Alene and and Jamie Lynn's uh, vintage store, and then I had to get there, and then Keith was like, well, if you you show up, that's like my hometown. We we can go catboarding. I'm like, okay, I'm booking. (laughs) I'm going. Like, that's not just a bucket list thing. That's I'm doing that 100%. And so then I spoke with Olivia, Craig's daughter for a long time about her school and about uh, the event and just 
her father's nostalgia and whether it should be sold or whether, you know, so many cool conversation with so many cool people. I want to mention Leanne Pelosi and Jeff Keenan because it was just so fun talking with those guys up at the course and Mary France Roy and so many people, Felix Delaire. I took a lap with Felix and that was basically the end of the riding for me. It was like one lap through Rumble Gully with Felix. It was pretty fun. It was Our legs were both pretty bagged. And uh, I settled in at the award ceremonies beside Nate Holland, who is a savage at award ceremonies. I love this guy. And he was sitting with Hagen Kearney, which is Harry's little brother. No, Harry's big brother. And Harry and... and Hagen had a bet that whoever placed higher got to pick a tattoo on the other brother. <laughs> he beat his brother. He didn't win. I know he's a little disappointed about that, but, you know, consolation, he beat his brother and he gets to pick a tattoo. So that was cool. Our division was won by Pontus, who was actually the fastest time on the track up until the end of Saturday, which is crazy. Like I mentioned before, usually pro men's has a 10 second lead on pro men's masters. But I just want to point out here that the guy who won pro men's this year, Seth Westcott is 43 years old and could be in pro men's masters. So pro men's masters just cleaned up this weekend. (laughs) I think it means that you can be old and you can be fast. Obviously, that's what it means. I cannot thank Amy Howitt enough, Gwen, Aaron, all the volunteers at Mount Baker for putting this on and continuing to have it run. Duncan Howitt for having the vision to to have the first one in 85. He actually ran the course with... Tom Sims or Tom Sims set the set the gates and and they've been doing it ever since it's so rad and thank you to the listeners for hearing me rant about this experience I want to do it again I do I really I want to do it again I want to train better (laughs) I want to be more disciplined and I want to take it more seriously and I don't know man we'll see we'll see what happens thanks for listening